Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you know? I'd like to stay alive for six I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I will down to Anfield and we'll see them all. What are you doing down here, you shawny man? The 2018 World Cup in Russia will be up to the highest standard. Soccer is popular. From bottom of my heart, thank you. Maradona turns like a little eel and comes away from trouble. The little squat man leaves it for dead. There's Beckham, there's the ball out! There's Beckham! There's Beckham! Oh! Please welcome Oh McDevitt, Ken Early, and Kira Murphy! Hello, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Hello, hello. Thank you so much. Hello, and welcome to the Second Campus Podcast live at the Cat Laughs. This is by a mile the latest we've ever recorded a show, so I've absolutely no idea how this is going to go. Are we all ready for some late night hardcore podcasting? It's oh. even more fun than it sounds. Owen here with Murph and Ken. Hi, guys. Hey there, Owen. Hi, Owen. How are you? Ah, I'm okay, Ken. I came across a tweet recently that it shocked me to my core, to be honest. I can barely bring myself to read the words, but... Go on, Owen. Here goes. It reads, A gathering of two or more average-looking white men is referred to by biologists as a podcast. <laughs> I mean, number one, what the fuck are they talking about? And number two, why do they always pick on those of us with no voice in society? Yeah, if I, just, I, I just can't believe it. Now, we've got a very special treat for everyone in the room tonight because we're doing our first ever live version later on of what has undoubtedly become the most popular feature on Second Captains. Yep, Ken Early's Champions League Weekly Voice. Yes, yes. For those of you unaware of the actual Champions League Weekly Voice, it's a pretty awful television show in which a narrator translates boring player interviews in his own even more boring manner. Here's an example. The first time I won the Champions League was a moment of great emotion. 
That is distilled it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of thing. For those of you unaware of Ken Ernie's Champions League weekly voice, here is Ken translating the excited Arabic commentary of Mo Salah's screamer for Liverpool against Roma. There are spaces. Mohamed Salah is on their left. Mohamed Salah, go or no? Salah. Oh. Oh. What is this? What is this, O Salah? Sultan of the English Premier League. A boy for all the Arabs with feet of gold. O Salah. You are world class. Goal of the season. Goal of the season. With his left, he struck it. Top bins, he placed it. Top bins. Top bins. No mercy. My days. You are fabulous. Pride of the Arabs. Give us your art. Give us your madness. Their torturer. Their tormentor. Roma. Inspect the damage. Round of applause, please, for Ken's incredible music. Thank you. The good news is that the same Arabic commentator, Raouf Khalif of BN Sports, also commentated on a very famous moment in Irish sporting history. Yeah, there you go. You've got a, a hint of it there. We'll have the translation of that for you guys later on. But first, we scour the city to bring you our favourite comedians at the 2018 Cat Laughs Festival. And look who we bloody well found. It's David O'Doherty and Adam Hill! Hello, everyone. Hello, David. <laughs> As a subscriber to the podcast, I am paying you to be here. It's great. <laughs> did you? Can I just ask? Did you just bring David O'Doherty and I on stage with the music to walk on the take a walk on the wild side? If ever there are two guys that are going to make some wild shit happen here tonight. <laughs> Two truly mild comedians. <laughs> Take Buckle a walk up, on the everyone. Mild side. <laughs> Big news in the football world this week, guys. Zinedine Zidane retiring, resigning as Real Madrid manager. David, I believe you're here tonight for one reason only. That's to make a major announcement. Well, I am flattered to be linked with the vacant position in Real Madrid. It has always been a dream that one day I would manage there. And who knows, perhaps because I've heard their fans are the best fans, with the exception of you people here, who mean the world to me. So I'm going to leave it and, well, I'm gonna take a break over the summer. I won't even be looking at my phone, but it's possible, you know, who knows? That's not even tempt face. For, for now, you're a comedian. For now, that's, of course. I only you know, think about now. It's only natural that if Real Madrid were to come calling, oh, listen, come on. My head may be turned. How, how, would, how would you improve a team that has won four of the last five Champions Leagues? It's a pretty hard task. Booze, take them out on the fucking booze. <laughs> I mean, look, Luka Modric, do you think he's ever had nine pints in one night? He's, think, he's, he's never got the gallop, David. Do you think no. Luka Modric has ever waited for an early house to open for two hours? No, I would, I would really shake things up. It'd be old school training. Run, I said, through the nettles, son, not around the nettles. Then more drinking, and then the season would begin. I would remove all the grass from the pitch. I would be proper old school. They'd be training in Adidas ROMs, and their hamstrings would go in October. <laughs> 
Adam, we need to uh, probably establish your sporting credentials here. You yeah. are playing rugby league at the moment. I am indeed playing rugby league at the moment. Yes. I read uh, an interview about this where you said, I still literally dream of playing for the Rabbitohs. That's the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And yeah. by that I mean I have actual dreams where I'm called out to play for the Rabbitohs. Oh, yeah. I am, I am 48 years old and still have dreams. So, South, I grew up in Sydney. Uh, my dad supported the South Sydney Rabbitohs. His dad supported the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Um, Little bit of trivia, they are called the Rabbitohs. Yeah, we're not just the Rabbits. And not the Rabbits, because the team was formed in 1908, and it was in a real working-class part of Sydney called Redfern, and a very, like, five or six members of the 13-strong team sold rabbits during the day. <laughs> and in Australia, you have to give everyone a nickname. You can't just call them a rabbit seller. So they were called Rabbitohs. Wow. And they would walk through the streets of Redfern, and they would yell out, Rabbito! Usually about four o'clock. Because then people would go down and buy yeah. a rabbit and then cook it for dinner. They would, and they wore green smocks and they had the rabbits over their shoulders. And when they'd sold all the rabbits, they would then go to training in the green smocks with the red blood dripping. And that's why the South, <laughs> oh, that is why the South Sydney Rabbitohs colours are red and green. And that's why they're called the Rabbitohs and not the rabbits, because they're the rabbit sellers. So this is a whole ridiculous long story. I love it. That I grew up following this, this rugby league team. And then last year someone tweeted me and said, did you know they had a disability team? Um, and for those of you who don't know, I have a prosthetic foot. Oh, here I'm we go, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> or as I like to call it, my kid's college fund. <laughs> um, I will just point out briefly, um, for those who, who are here tonight and those who are, I'm wearing, I've got a blade, I've got a prosthetic blade. Um, I, can, nice. Shall I show you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm wearing... I wouldn't normally wear it on stage, but because we're playing the Comedians football match on Sunday... Yeah. Okay, this is, this is what it's like having a prosthetic. I was packing my bag today thinking, well, I'm going to need the blade. <laughs> <laughs> when I played on Sunday, and then I packed everything in my bag and went, oh, shit, I haven't got room for the other leg. <laughs> I'm just going to have to wear the blade all weekend. So, there, I'm, gonna, I'm now holding it up. It is one, like it's one of those... Oh. Nice. I, sorry, Ad, you did have a sock over a prosthetic yeah, I was blade. Ask. Yeah, because it gets cold. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't. Uh, hang on, keep, keep going. I don't want to. Guys, this won't mean much to those on the podcast. But I uh, played five aside last weekend. I'm quite a graze just down there. <laughs> I mean. I'm just putting my dick away. Sorry. Uh, but. I know, uh, that is bad, but check that out. Wow. That, was, yeah. that was sticking to the sheets for a couple of nights there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, what I'm saying is I know what it's like. <laughs> if I... I, <laughs> I that's, well, it's similar. The Rabbitohs thing is similar because you know the hurlers here used to sell cats. And... <laughs> they, uh... The, Jaundiced this, cats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, I haven't given up the dream either, which is like my, I think my hope is that one day all of this comedy bullshit will just be a footnote on my Wikipedia page. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know, like for a while, McGregor worked as a plumber. That'll be my comedy career. <laughs> Before O'Doherty revolutionised football, he. I think yeah, it's like. 
Football is fantasy to me. Like, that's just, I play so many games of five-a-sides, but I'm not playing in the ESB social club. It's the Bernabeu, it's the San Siro. <laughs> I cycle a lot, but I'm never going to the shops. It's a solo breakaway in the Tour of Spain. <laughs> it's why I can never go to the gym, because the gym is many things, but it's not a place of fantasy. You can't imagine you're not at the gym. <laughs> you, you can't be like, here he is in the Olympic semi-final of opening and closing the same thing for ages. Well, so the... The thing with our rugby league then is we've already played two matches. We played against Leeds uh, in front of about 1,500 people in, Wa in, in Warrington. So you're playing for... I play for Warrington. So basically what happened was I found out that the South Sydney Rabbitohs were setting up a disability team and I said, can I play? And the guy went, y you live in London. <laughs> and he said it in a way that he thought maybe my disability wasn't just physical. <laughs> But he said, look, we've just been contacted by the Warrington Wolves in the north of England. They want to set up England's first ever disability rugby league team. Maybe you can help them. So I went up and helped them and we had an open trial day and everyone had a bit of a run. And at the end of it, they went, yeah, you're in the team. So we've played, like, I, every Tuesday I go up to Warrington and train. We've had proper rugby league training, like tackle training. We've, we're putting on moves. We've played two games. The second game we played was at Warrington's home stadium before a Challenge Cup game. So we started right. with about like 400 people in the crowd. And I was, you know, did that thing of focusing on the game. And then I thought, oh, God, the crowd are getting a bit louder. They must be really getting into it. And when we finished, there were like 5,000 people there because they turned up for the game. So it's, and it's a bit, the weirdest thing about it all, I'm loving it. And the, the ultimate outcome is I'm going to take the Warrington Wolves in August to Sydney to play against the Rabbitohs. And we've lined it up before a first grade game at the Olympic Stadium. We're going to play like two 25-minute halves. It's... Um, Brilliant. So if... Yeah. If my leg does go septic and yeah. they have to remove yeah. it, yeah. I could be eligible then for the wolves. You would be surprised how cheaty disabled people get. <laughs> Do you know what I'm like? There's, there's a moment where you go, oh, we're all here having fun, aren't we? Yeah, we're all here having fun. And then you go, well, Will's, I mean, Will wears glasses. <laughs> Do you reckon he could play? And here's the weird thing about playing in disability rugby league. You think it's all going to be lovely, and it is, it's lovely, and everyone's having a go, but it's serious. So we were in training last week, and our captain goes, right, the next play, come in close to me, run at Tony's right side. <laughs> and I went, okay, why his right side? And he just looked at me and went, because he hasn't got a hand. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, yeah, right, I hadn't, of, of course, I hadn't thought of that. And the thing is, then you get, because you, there's people with cerebral palsy that play as well. So you've got a guy with cerebral palsy running at you and it's actually more difficult than someone who's able-bodied because at least with an able-bodied runner, you know where the limbs are going to go. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Cerebral palsy, it's like four different propellers going in different directions. And you've got to go, and, they, and look, I can hear you going, oh, can you, I'm not sure if that's okay. The cerebral palsy blokes, we've got two on our team, and they are like, we, we were talking and going, look, do you think maybe you should be non-contact or you should, and he was like, no, I want to be hit as hard as anybody else. <laughs> I had a moment in our first game where this guy with cerebral palsy ran down the sideline, and I, as he went past, I thought, I can't tackle him. I can't get enough weight on him to tackle him. I reckon if I push him, he'll go over. <laughs> What do you do when it's someone with cerebral palsy and you think, I mean, I fucking pushed him. Like, I wasn't going to. So you're living your dream, Adam, is what you're saying. 
Um, ever since I was a little boy, I've always wanted to push over someone with cerebral palsy. Many of us in Kilkenny here tonight are probably dreaming of playing in the World Cup in a week or two. Not Blind Boy, though. He linked to a story this week, and he said, which said, God and not Sergio Ramos was behind the Mo Salah injury, Preacher says. It doesn't matter too much about that story. But Blind Boy's tweet was, you know the way I did a podcast about why performance art has value? Can someone else do a podcast about why soccer makes headline news? And why a priest talking about a soccer player's leg is headline news? Because I can't understand for the life of me. Well, he's got his wish, Ken. We're going to answer that question tonight. Why, what is the point of sport, essentially, is the question, I think. And if you think about it, People spending their lives uh, following games that they haven't played in for years and caring about people who they don't know and will never meet, it does sound a little bit delusional. So why do we do it? I put it to you, Ken, we do it for escapism. Most people aren't overly happy with their own lives, uh, so you get to live vicariously through sports. I think that's a dark way to look at it. (laughs) Well, that's a starting point for the conversation. Well, I I like it just from a Drake versus Pusha T-style podcast beef. (laughs) It's kicking off right here. Yeah, I, I don't know. Adam why. David, thank you very much. It's just myself. And I mean, it was a, it was a story about like Mo Salah uh, being told that he was cursed because he had broken Ramadan. So it was like a piece of celebrity news. It was no different from like you know numerologists predicts Meghan and Kate will be dueling duchesses, which was also a story like uh, around the same time. So I think that the main thing about it is that people do it because it is point because it's fun. And part of the reason that it's fun is that it's completely pointless. Like the question says, performance art has value, like value. Like what are we talking about when we talk about value? Like the, the point of it is that it can't be anything else. Like, I mean, anything that seems like it's, it's kind of going to be good for you or like it's, you know, towards some, the service of some sort of higher or more rational goal is just like not fun. That's homework. This is like, you know, it's, it's kind of so obvious what makes it worthwhile. Yeah, when you're into it, it is, yeah. When you're into it. I think maybe you have to be into it when you're a kid. Because I do know what it's like to be somebody who isn't interested in sport at all, which is when golf is on, or, <laughs> or cycling, or horses, or any, you know, any of those types of things, because I never did any of those things. So I guess my boy feels that when he looks at football. The TV is just like an aquarium. You know, like these brightly colored things moving around, and does it really matter what they're doing? David? I always think that cows much, must look at football and just be like, what a waste of all that food. <laughs> but they, um, no, I mean, I can answer this in quite a sincere way, which is that, I mean, I, this is something that I do think about because I dedicate so much of my life to listening to your fucking podcast. <laughs> uh, and why do I do it when I could be listening to In Our Time with Melvin Bragg, the BBC Radio 4 podcast, where I'd actually be learning something. <laughs> and uh, I was reminded of it this week. I um, one of my best friends in the hospice at the moment. And, uh, you know, he's not in great nick. He got up last Friday to vote, which is pretty incredible. But we have talked about everything. We've talked about absolutely everything. He has uh, his kids there with him, and it's all fine. And I went in to talk to him last week, and we just ended up talking about Leinster and talking about cool tries because it made us both happy. And within sport is, you know, you can extract pretty much all of the narratives of life, and also it's just fucking cool. That's it. I think it's good an answer. Is it going to get another one? 
Blind Boy happens to be here. I think he has his answer at this stage. Now, the World Cup is around the corner. Uh, you're probably the only person in the room with a vested interest in it. Adam Australia are, are in it. And can yeah. I just cut across here, Owen? Sorry. Yeah. So, so yeah. I've just come back from Australia, Adam, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to play my ter- terrible games of five-a-side there. And at one point, I was so short of players, I had to ask actual Australians. And <laughs> they were like, uh, what will we use for goals? Because it was just in the park. And I, and I said, oh, there was roadworks just over there, so I'd stolen some road cones. And I said, I will use the road cones. And my Australian friends were like, what? And I was like, oh, sorry, traffic cones. And they were like, Pfft. And I said, hang on, what are these called in Australia? And they all said together, mate, they're witches' hats. <laughs> they genuinely called them witches' hats. You absolute oh, right. idiots, Adam. <laughs> The world is laughing at you, witches have. Ooh, I didn't realize so many things had Halloween themes in Australia. Oh, before you get in your bike, put on your safety pumpkin. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I, I wasn't sure where that story was going until you said, until you said witches hats. And I went, oh, then. Yeah, right. Okay. Now, sure. Now, now I'm on board with you. Uh, yeah, so we'll get into it. Yeah, Australia will get behind it. Hang on, you're in the competition. You don't care yet until it starts. Sorry? You don't actually care that much just yet. No, no, we'll get there. What? <laughs> I think what you need to do for Adam here, you have to tell us, please, and the audience, give us the lowdown on the long and storied history oh. of the Socceroos. It's a, it's World a devast- Soccer Show. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a devastating tale, Adam. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I don't need to tell you, but just for the benefit of the audience. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I'm, they've qualified for five World Cups, 1974... 2006, 2010, 2014, and of course 2018. They suffered a string of horrendous results between 1974 and 2006 when it appeared as if they'd never, ever get back to a World Cup. This was blamed for the most part on a witch doctor who had originally helped the Australian team in a playoff win against Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, in 1969. Sorry, could I just point out, in Australia we call them road cone doctors. Yeah, sorry, yeah, of course. (laughs) 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 So they... They won the game in Mozambique, uh, but then then refused to pay the traffic cone doctor. Uh, Australian comedian John Safran and Australia's greatest ever soccer player, Johnny Warren, vowed to rid Australian football of this curse in in 2004. So Safran went to Mozambique, uh, to the ground where the game was played, doused himself in chicken's blood, came back to Australia, doused himself and a by now middle to old uh, elderly gentleman, Johnny Warren, in uh, chicken's blood, and the Aussies qualified for the World Cup the next bloody year. Yep. So there you go. Will Ackle Island's favourite son, David O'Doherty, do something similar for the Mayo footballers? Who knows? <laughs> but that is the potted history of the Australian football team. So, the so uh, Adam, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mayo, the county that I love, in the same way that Ken loves the dubs, um, <laughs> my granny lives in Ackle, so I support Mayo, and uh, they won the All-Ireland for the last time in 1951. And Mm -hmm. there's a thing called the curse, which people talk about too much, which is that on the way back from Croke Park to Castle Bar for the celebration, they allegedly overtook a funeral that was taking place and a local... Local priest. Not a witch doctor or even even a traffic cone doctor. Mm -hmm. An actual priest engaged in some cursing, which I don't think they do anymore. Said, you will not win another All-Ireland until everyone on this team is dead. So what I propose then is... I basically assassinate. Yeah. <laughs> the, but then oh, that's your answer for everything, David. The, the twist is... Can we, just, can we not have one conversation without, without you with it ending 
that you're going to shoot someone, David. Please. And then, but then zombies start rising up. You know what yeah. I mean? From people, undead members of the Fifty One team, and it's a real bloodbath that film. But in the end, I kick the winning goal. <laughs> Can I just say that this? what you were saying before about why does sport get so much attention and because it's frivolous and all of that kind of stuff there is I think there is another thing that goes on with sport is is in another world it, it is drama it is the most wonderful drama and when you see something like the Paralympics for instance and this is a conversation of all people I had with Claire Balding on the way home from the closing ceremony of the Paralympics in Rio and she was saying this you watch the Paralympics this isn't just sport this is not just people running around trying to do things really fast every person at the Paralympics has a story and every team has a story and the more you delve into it yeah if you watch the golf you go this is really boring but if you've got somewhere there going oh yeah but that guy that guy has an amazing story when you know all of that stuff and when you know all the drama no, I've tried telling him Adam it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> it just, for me sport is more than just it can be it doesn't have to be but it can be more than just, you know, a distraction or something to take us out of our lives. It can actually be, a, in a weird way, soap opera for people who would rather be active while watching it. Another big story that's been floating your boat, I know, Ken, this week, Roseanne, of all people. Her sitcom was brought back. Did anyone know that the last series of the original Roseanne was all just a dream and that her husband Dan had actually died at the end of series? No, it actually Spoiler alert watching there, everybody's sorry about that. Then. But uh, her sitcom was brought back to life this year. The ratings were through the roof. Um, not anymore. It's been cancelled after Roseanne put out a racist tweet. What's your take on this one? Uh, well, I was wondering if anyone else had actually seen it. The, the new Roseanne. Has anyone in this room seen an episode of it? Yeah. Nobody? Yeah. One person? <laughs> well, two people. Because I, I watched three. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, we never... We, we seldom missed an episode of Roseanne in our house back in the day. Um, but I remember it, I don't remember it being like this. I mean, this is kind of like, uh, it's like a, a really clear effort to sort of bring to life all of these uh, political issues of like, you know, the last two years in America in a sitcom. Like they're all on prescription meds in some Rust Belt state. Nobody has any money. Darlene's lost her job. Her son wants to wear a dress to school. Uh, Becky, the oldest daughter, is having a baby for someone else uh, in a you know fifty thousand dollars whatever uh, and they're constantly joking about like the infrastructural design it's they're basically steve bannon's forgotten men and women of america <laughs> yeah. you know so i'm just wondering if you as comedians think it's important to try to do this kind of thing like i mean i haven't seen any 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 other show try to actually do this like try to set something in that world and put across this point of view and i think it's kind of, kind of quite significant that roseanne has ended up being like <laughs> wiped, you know, uh, at, the, at the end of this. I think it's actually quite a, quite a big deal. I think, I think, I mean, Sarah Silverman, I think, is doing a similar thing where she's going across America and trying to meet people in middle America who, who voted for Trump and try and get their head, her head around how it ended up that way. Um, I think it's, I think at the moment in particular in America, it just sounds, it, it feels like there's people on either side just shouting at each other and the majority of people are in the middle but can't be heard because you've got you know, the Trump voters shouting at the people on the left and the people on the left shouting back at the Trump voters. So I understand the idea of trying to get where they're coming from, but 
I don't know. For me, the most dangerous thing about Donald Trump isn't the policies that he's enacting, um, because as far as I'm concerned, if you're president, you can do whatever you want. It's the attitude that's trickling down all the way, that just making racism okay, just making bigotry okay. And every time that trickles down to another person, it ends up with someone like Roseanne calling a black person a cross between, what was it, Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes, I believe is what she said. Exactly. And when you hear that, because there's that thing, isn't there, in America where people go, hey, it was just a joke, it was just a tweet, she didn't mean it. And then you say it out loud and everyone goes, oh, no, shit, that's out of line. Like, there is a point where it becomes out of line. And there is also a point where when the president says it's okay, then people on the street start to say it's okay. And I think as a president, you know, and I think Barack Obama was a good example of that. And, I mean, my God, even George Bush somehow managed to do it. You've got to set some sort of example, some sort of moral example for the rest of the country. And I think that's what's... That's, it's great to explore this stuff, but unfortunately he's allowing people to say stuff that's just not right. I think that that's what's been so interesting about the last week in this country. In the, I, I was in um, university uh, in 1995 when we had the divorce referendum. There was no divorce in this country yet in 1995. If... Uh, you didn't get on with someone, you just lived in a shed in the garden until you, <laughs> you both died. And there was a referendum, and so I was handing out flyers, and we were campaigning in favour of divorce, which just seems bonkers now. But I was, I really went into the heartland, though. I was in Trinity at the time, and went up to the top of Grafton Street, and back down again, and didn't meet anyone ever who wasn't going to vote in favor of divorce. And so I came away from it thinking, oh yeah, we've got this in the bag. And then if you remember, divorce got in by 9,000 votes, one vote in every ballot box. It's reckoned because there was a thunderstorm in the West, otherwise divorce wouldn't have got in. But what's been so incredible about the last week, because that's always been in the back of my mind with all these referendums, sorry, referenda, and was just the idea that there was this other Ireland out there, and suddenly 67% of people voting for this, which is, you you could say, more radical than any of the previous ones, uh, just shows that that Ireland is dead. And what's happened in America is democracy has been used to pull people apart, but this small grassroots feminist movement that started in Ireland just has gathered in two-thirds of the population, and I feel that we're going in the opposite direction. I mean, I I think with that, like... uh I think it does create a, an impression. I mean, it's obviously kind of complicated. Uh, it does create an impression, though, that, uh, you know, if you're one of these people, if you're like a Trump uh, voter, that, like, uh, this liberal establishment will silence, you know, will, will silence. Like, they, 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 they cancel the show, which was actually the, the most popular show on ABC. Mm. Um, but then so what immediately happens, like, on Twitter, everybody's like, well... What about, you know, this? What about that? And Samantha B, I don't know if you saw this the other night, like S- Samantha B, who does like a late night kind of uh, political show called Avenger Trump, what was it, a feckless cunt? Yeah. And <laughs> but but it, and like Trump, I think today has tweeted, oh, you know, how dare, like what hypocrisy, you know, she's not been fired. But I can imagine people going, well, why, you know, what's, what's going on here? You know, she says this and that's okay. And, you know, well, you know, in, in this case, I, I think... What's happened here is kind of making things worse, if you know what I mean. I think someone pointed out on Twitter, and I think it's a, it's, it was a really good point, there is a difference between a white woman calling another white woman a feckless cunt mm. and a white woman calling a black woman an ape. Yeah. Well, although, Do you know what I mean? Like although, there is a marked 
difference between those two things. Also, no one's banning anyone. She wasn't stopped. Roseanne wasn't stopped by the law. Yeah. The company that she works for stood up and went, do you know what? That doesn't reflect our values. Whereas the company that Samantha B worked for clearly went, actually, that does reflect our values. It, I, I think it is, it is sort of interesting, though, um, that... I mean, she, uh, you know, she didn't actually call the woman an ape. She claimed, Roseanne's justification, so far as I can see, her, her claim yeah. is that she didn't know the woman was black. She was talking about her haircut. Yeah, but I just see that again and again. Is no, no, the, no, but, but even, the, even the fact that it's, it's quite uncomfortable for me to, to say, like, I mean, you know, what am I uh, condoning some kind of fucking racist outrage here? But even the fact that I'm kind of like, I saw, I saw a news article saying she said, you know, she's called Valerie Jarrett, this former Obama aide, aide compared her to an ape. And I thought, well, I saw the tweet, and she didn't really do that. Yeah, but the, the, all along with the Trumps, there's been this plausible deniability thing where actually you, you can, what would be called in this country, Jesuitical reasoning, just work your way out of it. Sure, no, I didn't quite mean, I actually meant something else. And as regards the other one, I've just been on tour in, uh, with Flight of the Concords in New Zealand. And New Zealand is the only country in the world where someone comes up to you after the show and goes, oh, you're a good cunt. <laughs> <laughs> cunt is used in a positive way as I really enjoyed your comedy. So, Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask James Lowe in a minute. Well, David, while we're on that topic, you do love all things New Zealand. As I said, you're just back from there. Uh, I know I'm looking forward to meeting him. Say something nice about James Lowe before he comes on stage, will you? Um, I... Uh, pervily used to watch YouTube compilations of his tries when he played in New Zealand. <laughs> and then creepily, he can't... You know, I mean, this is the hard thing about when I meet rugby players that I love, uh, is that a few things I can't tell... Well, I can't tell, because I'm touring a lot, I have mm. to watch illegal streams of Leinster matches, and yeah. I have downloaded such awful viruses from that to my computer. <laughs> you know, and all those boxes <laughs> pop up. I, have I think the beauty of sport is that life generally doesn't give you many opportunities to shout at people who are much better than you at a thing. <laughs> and you can't just go into your local hospital and be like, ah, give him a drip, wanker. And I have shouted nothing but positivity at this guest. Perfect. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that uh, walk on the mild side tonight. A round of applause, please, for Adam Hales and David O'Nerney. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, guys. Thanks so much. Now, we got an email in on the way down from Mark Rooney, who is in the audience. Thanks, Adam. Hey, lads, myself and my brother and my dad are all World Service subscribers, and we're attending the show in Kilkenny this evening. It's my dad's 60th birthday present, as he's a flippin' massive fan of the show. Just wondering if you'd give him a little shout-out tonight at some point. His name is Michael Rooney, and he claims to be able to name every All-Ireland football and hurling championship winner since 1922. <laughs> wow. What a slot this is going to be. Much to my father's dismay, his two sons don't show any interest in GA, so we've never been able to confirm or deny his proclaimed GA knowledge. Maybe Murph could put him to the test. I Mark see him there. Hello. Happy birthday, first Hello, of all, Michael. Happy birthday, happy everybody. Yes. Yes. Okay, just uh, very quickly, uh, who won the Thunder and Lightning final? It was after 1922. Well, well, who am I dealing with here? The Thunder and Lightning final. What? Yes. 
Ah, come on. Now, we were like, told football and I'm, hurling by Mark I know here, it's your Michael. birthday, but I mean, Jesus. 1939, Kilkenny 27, Cork 3-3. Next, John, come on. Now, Who everybody. Who is this guy? <laughs> Big thanks to David O'Doherty and a huge thank you to Adam Hills. Massive thank you, most importantly, to the World Service members in Kilkenny tonight. Thank Woo-hoo! you. Anybody not signed up yet, you can get on to secondcaptains.com and become a member now if you want World Cup podcasts every day during the tournament. To wrap things up, as promised, we have a very special Ken Early's Champions League weekly voice. Once again, it's the Arabic commentator, Raouf Khalif of Being Sports, and it's been translated for us by our Lebanese friend of the show, Issam Kaisi. So thank you to Issam for this. It's Ireland versus Italy in the Euros. We badly need a goal. Things are not looking good. Take it away, Ken Early. Magidi. Magidi. Moves to the right. Possibility of Hulahan. Crosses. Goal. 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 Brady has done it. Brady has done it. Brady the challenger. Martin O'Neill. In this darkest hour. Ireland with four points. Are into the quarterfinals. Folks, thank you so much. You've been amazing. Good night. Thank Good you. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone.